Do you like extra content? Do you like supporting your favorite creators? Well, do we have good news for you? We have a patron. No, not a Patreon, a patron. What's the difference? Literally nothing, except for the fact that our patron is through Podbean. We have donation tiers at $1, $3, $5, $10, and $15 per month. At $1, you can join our Discord server and have access to monthly bonus content. At the $3 tier, you can watch our unedited video versions of our podcast that are definitely not safe for work. To join, just visit our link tree in the episode description and click Become a Patron. listeners to the newest episode of the you hate to see it podcast i'm adam i'm jeff i'm nick and uh today we have a very special guest we have uh mr larry hankin hello larry how you doing everybody fucking great (laughs) yeah so larry i don't know if you wanted to introduce yourself a little bit for our audience who don't know uh my name is larry that's it. That's all we needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perfect. I'm a, I'm a guest on, uh, on 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 the show. Yeah. A, on the show, and that that's about it. All right. I, I have nothing. Uh, you know, I'm an actor. I'm a performer. I do interviews. <laughs> I, I don't... All right. Cool. So, Larry, you said that you've uh, you're currently writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Oh yeah. Um, it's a great book. I wrote it for people who like uh, the roles that I do. It's, it's just a book. It's stories about all the, um, it's short stories about all, all the roles I've ever done uh, since I got into show business. Uh, but the, the more important ones are highlighted. Uh, there's like 45. Mm-hmm. I, I hear by the interviewers that have interviewed me, they, they come up with these, this research. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they tell me what who I am and what yeah. I do. <laughs> so one of the things that I found out through doing interviews is I've done over like uh, 192 or 200 shows, roles, stage performances, TV, movies. So uh, when that struck me, I, I thought I've had a pretty interesting life vis-a-vis my performances. Uh, I've, I've had my life has been threatened three times. I'm serious. I mean, like a gun to my head and two times knives to my throat. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> life has been threatened. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's in there. It's just you know, it's just one thing of hundreds of other things. And then I've argued with the stars, you know, the leads. So that's what the book is about. It's about my adventures in show business. I, maybe that's a good title for the book, Adventures in Show Business. I like but, it. Yeah. And all, and all the roles that, I, that I've, uh, I've done, you know, and who hired me, like the auditions. It's kind of like the stations are the cross of acting. You know, I just go through it, like auditions that I've had, the rejections, the fans, uh, that. Uh, so that's the kind of... I think they call it a memoir. Mm-hmm. 
So, so talking about some of the roles that you've had in your uh, life, we'll, we'll get to your, the, the big ones that everyone wants to talk to you about, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to talk to you, uh, your uh, first uh, TV appearance was on the John Bartholomew Tucker show. Um, wow. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and how, how you got onto that. Here's what I know about that. Nothing. I don't even remember that. Okay. I remember the name and it happened in San Francisco, right? Yeah, you you were on episode seven. I have no idea what that was about. I remember the name, but wow, you guys, nice research. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, your first like notable role I saw was uh, playing the one that I remember best. We'll, we'll see. Something uh, that I remember. Uh, do you remember playing Romero on Viva Max? Oh yeah, man, that's one of my favorite roles. That's in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I never remembered his name though. Uh, I couldn't. You know, it's, yeah. it's not in the book. Uh, but but I write about it. Yeah, Romero, the drum the carrying the drum. Yeah. Ah. Oh man, did we fight over that? I mean, that's why I remember it because that, that was one of the big fights of my career okay. with the director, Jerry Paris. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to do anything that he wanted me to do. <laughs> I didn't want to do anything. It was one of those, I was back in the day when I had my, um, my artistic, uh, you know, I don't know, what up dander up you know I, I i had i had the part in my head you know and i i knew who this guy was and i knew what he did and didn't do and jerry <laughs> I had no truck with any of that he just look it's the i mean here was a big argument we had um because i was carrying the drum on my mm -hmm. back you know it was a big bass drum and it was a parade for you people who don't follow my career um <laughs> So there's this big, huge drum. So I thought, well, okay, I'll just do a Buster Keaton. You know, mm -hmm. this guy has nothing to laugh about. You know, he's just got this big drum. And he's at the end of the parade, you know, boom. And there was a lot, kind of funny, because they had a short guy, as I recall, with a big drumstick, you know, those uh, with the fur on the end of it. Yeah. So when we were at the end of the line and... Everybody had just, so I had nothing to laugh about and uh, I didn't laugh or, or smile through the entire movie. I mean, that was my Buster Keaton. Mm -hmm. And there was one scene particularly where I was on a bus. Somebody had stolen my drum or, or, or I'd lost my drum or something, I don't know, but I had to go find it. And uh, the head, Peter Ustinov, the, 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 the leader of our band, it was a Mexican army band and he wanted to take over the animal. So we were marching in as to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. What was his cover? Oh, we're just marching to the Alamo to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. And then once we were inside, he was not going to leave. So it, he would held, hold the Alamo hostage and then he would surrender. He would send him home, but he would be a hero to his girlfriend. That's the plot of the movie. Okay. So I, I carried the drum. That was my big 
big thing. And somebody took the drum. So it was just a scene of me getting on this empty bus, like two in the morning, looking in uh, the city of Alamo or wherever the Alamo was. Uh, and I get on this empty bus. It was just a bus driver. And I get on the bus and I'm so sad because I can't find my drum. I know I'm going to be in trouble. It was just me, the driver, the cameraman, the sound guy, and the director. And we did the scene where I just sit on the bus and I'm all forlorn. I get on the bus, okay, and I ride for a little while, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. That's it. I don't even think I said probably a word. It was just me being forlorn, not, and, and contemplating when I get back, I'm going to be hollered at. That's the scene. That's my, that was my big major scene of the character, mm-hmm. where I was just me. Okay, at the end of the movie, now we're going back. The whole narrative is done. The third act is, we're, we're, we're going back to Mexico. He's become a hero for capturing the Alamo for like a day. Okay, he's being kicked out. We're marching back. So we're marching by the camera. So Jerry Paris, the director, says the camera is low. We're going to march by. It's the, the old cliche band marching past the camera, you know, this way, you know, the, and, and then the, the, the key is that since the drum guy, uh, Romero and, and the drummer, is the last thing. So we're the last shot. So, you know, as we're marching by and then we come to me and, and the drum and I don't smile, you know. And Jerry Paris is telling everybody in, the, in there, Okay, everybody, it's the end of the movie. Everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. You're going home. He's the hero. Happy, happy. That's how he directs. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's verbatim. <laughs> it just grinds on me. So I march by and I'm Buster Keaton, you know. I, what, what do I got to be smiling about? I'm still carrying the drum. I, who cares? Blah, 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 blah. He goes, cut, cut, cut. What are you doing, Larry? I'm marching by the camera. What? No, no, it's smiley, smiley, happy, happy. We're <laughs> smiling. It's the end of the movie. <laughs> Jerry, I have nothing to smile about. I'm carrying a drum. Somebody stole my other drum. I'm in trouble. And isn't that funny? He said, no, no, this is the end of the movie. Smiley, happy, happy. <laughs> the end of the movie. I go, Jerry, yeah, I know. No, I'm not going to smile. What do you mean you're not going to smile? I'm not going to smile, Jerry. It's the, it's, I, I got my character. <laughs> so um, he goes, all right, everybody. And there's like 200 people. You know, the crowd, there's, he has in the, in, in the narrative, there's a crowd of uh, Alamoians. I don't know what you call them. But, you know, people who live Texans? You know, in the city. <laughs> Alamoians. And they're, so they're cheering as we're going past. So there's about 100 people, extras. And then there's about at least 50 people in the band. And then Peter Ustinov is on a horse and he's leading it. So these everybody's watching and cheering and everybody's happy except me. You know, and I'm just... And I said, Jerry, it would be funny. Look, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. This is funny. Everybody's happy. And here's this guy with this drum. He's still not happy. That's good. That's good for the movie. No, no. He goes, all right, everybody, Larry Hankin. And he points to me. Larry Hankin won't smile. So we're going to wait here until Larry decides to smile. 
So just everybody just relax until Larry decides to smile. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Don't do this. I'm not going to smile. But, you know, just what? He will not smile, so we're not going to leave, everybody. So just hang in there. We're not going anywhere. Now, the cinematographer, who was a big-time cinematographer, I mean, he had a lot of credits. So he had some weight, you know. He goes up, he comes up to me. He said, Jerry, what are you doing, man? It's just, Larry won't smile, so we're not going to do any, any more shooting. He said, we're losing the light. Are you kidding? I said, you know, I got a whole crew here. We're not going to, how long, you know, we got the sun. We need the sun. It's going to go away. So we can't hold this thing up. I mean, you got 300 people here. What are you doing? So we're not moving until, he said, look, man, my crew is going to walk. We're not going to stand around here and, and, and wait for whatever the hell you're doing. So this is going on and I'm just standing there. He says, wow, this is amazing. This is a major shoot. In Italy, in Cinecittà, <laughs> Fellini is shooting Satyricon on the next set. And this is what's going on with Jerry Paris. So the, the, the cinematographer says, we're going to walk. I'm shutting down. We're losing the light. I'm not going to put up with this bullshit. So Jerry says, okay, 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 okay. So the cinematographer says, all right, we'll do it two ways. March by, Larry smiles. March by, Larry doesn't smile. And he says to me, Larry, we'll, we'll leave it. In the, in the editing room and they'll decide. But right now we got it, we're losing the light. So Jerry says to me, okay, here's what we're gonna do, Larry. And he repeats it verbatim, what this guy just told me, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we do it. Now I say to the drum, the drumstick guy, the guy behind me, I say, well, when it gets into the editing room, they're not even gonna look at the me not smiling take. I know this, but all right, we're gonna do this, all right. So the whole band, 50 people, got, got to go all the way back to the with the horse and Peter Ustinov. We march by, I don't smile. And then everybody runs back and all the way back. And then we march by and Jerry says, no, you're going to smile this time, right? You're going to smile. Yeah, I got it. I got it. We're going to smile. So I march by and I smile. And he goes, okay, fine. Well, now... I said, I want to see this. Uh, you know, when is the cast screening? And they said, well, in two weeks. We're in Italy. It's going to be in Chichena Chita. So when, when everybody was invited, I wasn't. I was the only actor not invited to the screening. So I called and I said, production company. I said, hey, when is the screening? They said, it was yesterday. What do you mean it was yesterday? I, I was supposed to be invited. No, well, you have to call Jerry. So I called Jerry. He said, Jerry, what, why did you bar me? from? No, no, you weren't barred. It was an overflow. We're doing another screening tomorrow. Come tomorrow. I said, okay, not, I didn't even want to bring up, well, why didn't you invite me though? <laughs> why didn't they get an invitation? But I didn't even mention that. So I show up the next day. There's nobody there. I'm the only guy there. One person. <laughs> and he says, you want to sit with us? He said, we're, we're doing, this is a screening for me and the editor for, for editing purposes. I said, but I wasn't invited. Look, do you want to see the screening or not? You know, right away deflect. Okay, I want to see the screening. Oh, right, you want to sit with us? No, no, I'm going to sit down front. I don't want to sit with you guys. So, so I watched the entire movie. It's not a bad movie. It's not, not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, That's fair. I'm okay. I'm not smiling through the whole thing. I'm thinking, what a 
beautiful choice. <laughs> Going along great. And I come to the end, and of course, we're marching by, and there I am smiling. And when I saw it, as we're marching, and I'm seeing the drum is coming, I see it back there. The drum is coming. I looked down at my knuckles. I swear to God, this is true. I was holding the um, armrests and my knuckles were turning white. That's how tense I was. And then I, and I smiled and I, I, I held it in as, until I saw the credits because that's the end of the movie. And then I smile, credits. And I stood up, turned around and I said, you fucking butcher. I yelled it as loud <laughs> as I could. And he was shocked. I mean, literally, I, I guess he should have been shocked. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. I couldn't even stop it. I just did it. And then I had to march past them out. And that was, uh, that was the story of that. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I definitely thought you were going to say like, you like were smiling and flipping off the camera at the same time. So that's <laughs> it was unusable because it's not like you could CGI back in those days. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> Had I thought of it, I would have done it. And that's really cool of you. But you've had years to think about that. Or at least a couple of minutes. I had no, you know, I was so tense. But that, that's a great idea. And the next time Jerry Paris, who's dead now, uh, corrects me, that's what I'm going to do, no matter what part I have or where it is in the movie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Like to me, I'm like that's the easiest fix because like nowadays we you could just like cut your arm out and replace it with a fake arm if you're flipping them off. Yeah, but yeah. Back then just, you couldn't. You know, like they can just erase it. But yeah. back then it would have worked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, so now I kind of I've picked some of your uh, bigger roles um, or something that I think that the three of us would enjoy. Um, so. My initials are actually Alf, and I saw that you were on the TV show Alf with the puppet. Yeah, that and was a, uh, uh, now that, that was a long time ago. I, again, all of these are when yeah. I was younger. I mean, but but the one thing I remember about that was uh, that and that was a perk for me. That was an up mm -hmm. part, and the reason was I played a thief and I broke into. Um, I climbed in a window. Mm -hmm. It was a bedroom window, and I was I was sneaking around while somebody was sleeping. And the end of the movie, it was written in the script. Uh, it's uh, at the end of the my scene. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in the bedroom. I'm sneaking around, and then I hear somebody or I hear a noise. Somebody's coming, and the, this direction says he dives out the window. <laughs> And I thought, oh man, this is great. I've always wanted to do that thing where you just, you know, <laughs> just flat, right? I go, wow, man, they're really, it's like a, like a death scene. Oh man, I got a death scene, yeah. yeah. It's like a, a jump through the window scene. For a comic, that's like a death scene. That's like a great laugh. Anyway, so I, I had to rehearse it. They had a mattress outside the window. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm kind of a, a physical comedian, so I was looking forward to it. And on camera, uh, and then they go, okay, you ready, Larry? And I go, yeah. And I go, okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh, here's a noise. You're like, Pew! Perfect. I nailed it. 
And that was the end of that story. That's that's. It. <laughs> I was really expecting you to say you like overshot the mattress. Yeah, or something. yeah. no, that was uh, you know that was one of the wins. Yeah, it's not put in the wrong glass. But you know, I I had a thing to do that I loved the expectation of doing it. Yeah, and I did it on camera, and it made air. It, it yeah. aired. Yeah, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, that's Actually. awesome. Um. So the next one I have here on my list to talk about is you played Doobie in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, well, that's now a memorable role. I, I, not for me, but for yeah. everybody else. Everybody else. Oh, you're Doobie. <laughs> Doobie's Taxiola. I think the word Taxiola is really what they remember. <laughs> not me at all. But it was, oh, the Doobie Taxiola. They don't say Doobie. They say, oh, Doobie's Taxiola. Yeah, you're the guy. Um. From that, I, I mean, it was great working with uh, Steve Martin and John Candy. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't get any better, funnier guys, man. I, I love John Candy. <laughs> Whoa. Well, John Candy is, is just fun, and he's a great guy. Uh, no matter how good you think he is, he's better than that. He's just a great guy. You can't say anything bad about John mm-hmm. Candy. Or we're going to step outside. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But Steve Martin is, a, is, a, is one of the few geniuses I've ever met. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's amazing. And I'll tell you why. Because we improv that scene in the, in the taxi, in the taxi over. Um, that's, that is written. It's, it's three pages. It's three minutes long. It's as written, John Hughes. We covered that in an hour. We did, we did that whole scene in an hour. It was uh, not on the road. It wasn't in a taxi. It was a shell of a taxi on a sound stage. Mm-hmm. And anything that was going by were crew members with, with lights and shrubbery running past. <laughs> and, and they would run past the round back behind the camera, around, and then run past again. <laughs> While we were doing our words, it's very disconcerting. Do you see that guy with a bush? <laughs> yeah, so we did that for an hour. Now, the rest of the day, we were on, uh, I guess, Warner Brothers lot. John Hughes, who was directing, outside the shell of the taxi cab, he was sitting on a box, little uh, outside the, 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 the front seat. And he was saying, so what we did for the next, for the rest of the day, we, we took a break for lunch. And then for the rest of the day, we improvised that scene. You know, no word, no, no written things. Just, you know, every once in a while, I say, oh, Larry, you change things. Steve, you change. And Steve was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, John Candy and I had been in Second City. We took the classes. We, you know, learned how to improvise, blah, blah, blah. Steve Martin is just a funny guy. Man, and he was funnier than both of us put together. I mean, he was just improvised shit that was just amazing, man. We were falling over. Mm-hmm. And John Hughes has a photographic memory. We improvised the entire day, and he sort of memorized all the improvisation because he would say, you know, near the end, we would say, oh, well, Larry, when John said that, you you said this, so say that. But... You keep that, but John, you don't have to say that, you know. And then Steve, you said this, so well, let's just do it again. And okay, and then we keep on doing that. In other words, he would remember our lines. We did. Mm-hmm. You say that when he said this, and you say that when he said for the rest of the day. So when I saw the movie, none of that was in the movie. What yeah. you see is the written script that we did. 
the first hour. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what the hell happened to all that improvisation. He had a film crew, Warner Brothers. About a year later, I'm in uh, some delicatessen and Christopher Columbus, who directed, uh, I think, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I was in that, too. So Christopher Columbus, I was in the delicatessen and Chris, I hear my name and it's Christopher Columbus. And he's sitting in the delicatessen with his family. And he said, hi, Larry. And I go, oh, hey, Christopher Columbus. Well, I was with a, a friend. So I said, hey, I'll introduce you to Chris Columbus. Come on. So we walked over to his table. And, hi, Chris. He says, oh, Larry. And, and he said, you know, this is my son. This is my wife. And then he goes, hey, I, I saw that, that movie and it was so funny. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, uh, um, I don't know, what was, what was the name of the movie I was in? Um, Planes, that, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> Planes, it's just so many. I talked about them all. Trains, Planes. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, you saw Trains, Planes, and Automobiles? Yeah, it is a funny movie. He says, no, 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 no. The film short. What film short? You know, the film short, you know, uh, the taxi, we're in a taxi with uh, Steve and John. It was out of the movie, but uh, it was a film short. We didn't do a film short. Yeah, yeah, you were you were the driver and they were in the back. It was just hysterical. Oh, my God. That was the improv that he was doing. He was making his own film short and he knew it. John Hughes knew it. In other words, yeah, I got it in the can. I got and he had booked to shoot that scene. For, for the entire day he had booked the soundstage mm-hmm. so he he shot the scene in an hour which he's such a good director that he must have known it would only take an hour yeah. he wanted to make a film short with john candy steve martin and larry hankin all improvisers mm-hmm. so that's what he did and didn't tell anybody you know and just blah 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 so that was kind of cool but that film short, which I have never seen, and nobody has seen except I asked Christopher Columbus, I said, where did you see this movie? He said, well, John, uh, it was of the year before he died, John Hughes passed away, uh, ha- had a birthday party and he invited a-, a lot of his you know, movie friends, John Hughes movie friends, to his house for a birthday party. And the entertainment was the film short. So everybody at that birthday party, at John Hughes' birthday party, including Chris Columbus, saw it. But nobody else has ever seen it. And I would love to see that movie. It must be hysterical. <laughs> but um, I don't know. But th- that's kind of the story of uh, uh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. I just loved working with John Hughes because he's such an instinctive director. I mean, and he knows in his head what's funny and what's not, even if it doesn't look funny when you're doing it. Yeah, you see it, you know, framed and in, in a movie in a proper place, it's funny as hell. I mean, the whole driving scene on the highway with John Candy in the car, that rented car, and and Steve Martin is just that's one of to me the one of the funniest sequences I've ever seen in a car. Yeah, car um, and when the car blows up behind them, but you don't see it, you know, just as when they're sitting on the trunk, mm-hmm. the car is parked, and all of a sudden you see, <clears throat> I mean, that's 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 great. Yeah. Anyway, that that's the story of that. Um, and you had mentioned Home Alone. So, what was your uh, what was your experience oh, with uh, Macaulay Culkin and 
those yeah. guys. <laughs> um, poor Macaulay Culkin. He has never lived down that movie to this day. Yeah. They still, they even ask his brother. His brother is, was starring on a, on a show on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the interview because I well, what has his brother got to say, you know? And all they did in the interview with his brother starring on Broadway is, so what is Macaulay Culkin really like? Yeah. <laughs> and they just asked him questions. Yeah, but you know, in that movie, well, why did he do that? And they and they wouldn't, they didn't ask him one question about starring on Broadway. <laughs> it, was, it was sad. Yeah. I mean, and, and probably Macaulay can't outlive that uh, either. So, so my, my part, um, in uh, home alone. Uh, okay, the the crumb on the on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody asks me uh, the crumb on the phone. I gotta say, is probably more famous than Miss the Sergeant Balzac. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're that you're that guy in Home Alone. You're Sergeant Balzac. Oh yeah, yeah. How did you do that crumb thing? Is that CGI? How did that happen? And I said, well, I can't give away secrets or they'll shoot me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I'm going to risk it for you All right. guys. All right. <laughs> well, here, here's the deal. Actually, the story behind it is more interesting than, than the, the scene. Mm-hmm. But what happened was uh, I got a call from uh, my agent saying, hey, listen, um, what are you doing right now? That's not a good thing to hear from your agent. What are you doing right now? To me, and I, I would get that call a lot in my time in Hollywood. What are you doing right now? To me, that means somebody just got fired on a major movie and they need a replacement now. Yeah. That's what that means. What are you doing right now? Uh, and I go, oh man, I'm 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 watching TV. I'm watching a football game. You're not gonna, you got to get down to Warner Brothers right now. Um, why? Because um, there, there's a, a it's a ten pole movie. It's a big thing. It's John Hughes. It's Chris Columbus. You got to get down there. Um, it's it, just get down there. Well, what part is it? It's a it's a cop. Just go. Okay. So, you know, and that's way out in the valley. I got a the football game. It's the Rams, <laughs> man. Uh, so I, all right. So I led foot it down there, you know, I'm speeding down the 405. And I get there and they go, uh, okay, uh, you here for Sergeant Balzac? Okay, uh, you got the part. I, I just screwed up, you don't have to audition. Yeah, 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 you got the part. Okay, fine. You know, I right, just show up, blah, blah, blah. All right. So that that was easy. I get home about three days later. I get a call from my agent. What are you doing right now? Oh, man, what are you talking about now? You know the Sergeant Balzac thing? Yeah. The movie has started. Daniel Stern is holding out for more money. He's going to quit if they don't give him more money. The producers just called my agent. They want to replace Daniel Stern's with you because they don't want to deal with Daniel Stearns and his money thing. So if he doesn't capitulate and just stop it, we're just going to fire him. We're going to start and we're going to just hire you. So are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, I will tell them that. But here's what you have to do, because you have to shoot tomorrow 
because they're on the phone with Daniel Stearns right now. And if he doesn't capitulate, they're going to fire him. You have to get on a plane tonight. So here's why I asked if what you're doing. You got to pack, pack your bags, get ready. Within an hour, you're going to get an answer. Okay, bye. So I immediately pack everything, put, I don't, so I'm, I sit by the phone and sure enough, in an hour and a half later, I get a call. Okay, Larry, uh, Daniel Stern capitulated. It's all off. There's better jobs coming up. Bye. <laughs> Whoa, what the just happened? So that was like a, a big downer for about an hour. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, I just went off and yeah, you just forget it, man. That's that's the nature of the game. You just forget it. Yeah. I get a, a call about two weeks later from the producers of Home Alone saying, hey, Larry, um, look, we're very sorry about how we screwed you around with the Daniel Stearns thing. I mean, that was just part of the business. We were trying to do it. You know, we really love your work. It just didn't happen. But the truth be told, we're having problems on the movie. Has nothing to do with Daniel Stearns or you. It's just bad luck. But we think it's because we screwed you around. I, 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 are you serious? And he goes, no, no, we're very serious. We think we have to make amends whatever movie gods are fucking with us. We have to <laughs> hire you. Are you serious? I'm very serious, Larry. And they were. They were I could tell by the timber in his voice. Said, so now here's the problem. We don't have any parts open. The, we've started the movie. It's all cast. The unions will not let us fire one actor to hire a different actor. The, the, it doesn't work that way. The only part left is Sergeant Balzac. It's five lines. I think it's three lines. Rose, hyper on two. You want me to go to your home and look for your kid. So that's, uh, that's, that's the whole part right there. Yeah. And I've remembered it all these years. So he goes, so, so it's a very small part. And we understand you're a major actor. And we, we, this is an insult. We understand that. But we've got to get the kibosh off the movie. And, and he was serious. So we, we, it's, it's cursed. So it, if you do the part, we're willing to offer you something to make it worth your while. Like what? Okay, we'll fly you first class. We'll pick you up in a limousine. We'll pick you up at the other end in a limousine. Uh, we will fly you back first class limousine on both ends. We will shoot you first. As soon as you arrive, we will have the set all ready. You will come in. We'll have your... Uh, custom already you will come in shoot your movie and if you want you can get back in the limo and fly home and eat dinner and sleep in your own bed in, in the same day a and we will pay you ten thousand dollars to do it what do you say <laughs> you bet let's yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm already out the door yes <laughs> Okay, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he said, he says, great, thank you very much, Larry. And then, you know, really thankfully, he said, thank you very much. Is there anything you want? Anything at all, you name it, we'll have it, costume, props, 
whatever, we need you to do this. I said, uh, anything? A anything you want, you name it, we'll have it for you. Um, I'm playing a cop, right? Yes, yes, Sergeant Balzac. Um, I want to be eating a donut. That's it? Yeah, just a, a glazed donut. That's it? Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay, you got it. So it's a deal. It's a deal. Great. Thank you, Larry. Boom. My agent calls up. Hey, hey, that's a great deal. Thank you very much, Larry. Boom. Boom. Okay, next day, I fly there. Limo, a white limo. I live in an apartment house. This is an apartment house. A, a white limo. I look downstairs. There's a white limo parked in front of my apartment house. And there's a little crowd of people walking by, five people, <laughs> waiting. Who's going to get in the white limo? This is amazing. You know, in my neighborhood, this, you know, it's a neighborhood. <laughs> so they were, so, oh, they're going to be surprised. So I go downstairs, you know, like this. And I walk in and they were so disappointed. The five people were so disappointed. <laughs> yes. Oh, they turned as soon as they saw me open the back door. I mean, the driver didn't even get out. <laughs> as soon as I opened up the back door, ah, and they walked. So, okay, but I landed the white limo, and there's a guy waiting outside to take me inside, and there, it's all set up, and, uh, you know, they got the camera and everything like that, and they go, get in your costume, we're going to shoot this, and you can leave, we'll have the limo waiting for you, you can sleep overnight if you want, and we'll drive you, we'll take you back, or you can just leave in the limo you came with, so I'm going to leave right after this shoot, I don't want to be here, so, okay, fine, I just want my $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, she's okay, your costume is in there. Uh, I go, oh, where's my donut? He says, oh, your donut. Oh, it's coming. Don't worry about it. It'll be here. Go get in your costume. So I get in my costume blah, blah, and I come back. And right next to the camera is, you know, those rolling baker's trays with the baker's trays? Yeah. Yeah. Right next to the camera is a baker's tray filled with, I counted, 450 glazed donuts. <laughs> so I go, what is this? He says, well, you wanted a glazed donut. I, and, and I go, yeah, but I mean, I only need one. He said, Larry, we, have, we may have to do a retake. So I said, oh, great. Thank you. Went, All right. That's a little joke. Okay. Terrific. Let's just do this and let me go home. Okay, uh, I, I get in there, I sit on the thing, okay. Blah, blah, blah. You want me to you know, go to your house and check on your kid? Uh, Rose, hyper on two. Okay, cut. I, we never got to hyper on two and then cut. As I'm saying, hyper, the director, Chris Columbus, yells, cut. Okay, I go, what, what just happened? Did I fuck up? And he goes, no, uh, the camera jiggled. We have to shoot it again. Okay, so he says, see, we're doing it again. Thank God for the 300 donuts. Okay, yeah. so, I'm, so I have to eat the donut while I'm eating. Okay, technically, we shot that scene 11, 10 times. And each time, technically, one time, a, uh, a, 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 a light, you know, those huge movie lights up above, because we're on a soundstage, mm -hmm. exploded and it rained glass, that bulb glass down on the set 
So we had a break for a half an hour while they cleaned up the set of glass shards. Mm -hmm. But 10 times, the camera went off the dolly, the camera shook, uh, <laughs> it was out of focus. And so I had to eat 10 donuts. You know, thank God they had all those donuts. You know, so I'm getting, now I'm getting a little pissed. I mean, the glamour of $10,000 is very fading. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want glazed donuts. I, I just, I want to go home. So, uh, but you know, I'm a trooper. So uh, I go, okay, so the last time I'm eating the donut and it goes, blah, 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 Rose, hyper on two, cut. And then all of a sudden, everybody watching because of the 10 times, Everybody thought this is the curse we're talking about, Larry. You see what I'm saying? And they all, I, I mean, I was starting to think the holy cow, this thing is fucked. It's cursed. Amazing. <laughs> and then on the 11th time, he says, cut. And everybody started to laugh. And Chris runs over to me, says, come on, we're going over to TV Village. And I go, what? He says, I'm going to show you this. Show me what? I want to go home. And we did we get it? He said, we got it. We got it. And he go over and he shows me and I see I'm eating the donut and the donut falls down and sticks to the phone. And I go, oh, God damn it. All right, let's do it again. You know, God damn it. And he goes, no, no, this is going in the movie. You're released. Uh, <laughs> I, I am. That's funny. He says, well, you heard everybody laugh. Yeah, it's going in the movie. I said, OK, can I go home now? He says, you want to go home? I said, yeah. He says, OK, the limo's out there. Change your costume. And I, so I got in my costume and. I went home. I was. I ate dinner. My, and and I slept in my own bed. But I got the ten thousand dollars, and that shot is in the movie. But what I had to go through, <laughs> Daniel Stern with uh, you got to leave tonight with the pack with the limo with that. You know, I guess it was worth it. But uh, yeah, it was a funny movie. But everybody talks about the, the crumb, the crumb on the phone. <laughs> That's the story of, of it. It's just weird. It's in the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I have one tiny role before I get to some more uh, big roles for you that I wanted to ask you about. You played an uncredited wind dancer in Star Trek The Next Generation. And I want to know about that. My favorite role of all. Well, there's nothing to, to tell. I mean, yeah. you, you have to see it. That's all. Just look at it. Just see it. I was a flying face on a on a soccer ball. I was a <laughs> soccer ball. Just, uh, you know, and I spent two hours in makeup getting the dots, the white and red dots on my... First, they put a rubber mask over my... Just my eyes and my nose. My, yeah, just this. All the rest was in a rubber mask and then they painted that white and plus all of us all you saw was my eyes my nostrils and my teeth i guess mm -hmm. and the rest for two hours they painted a me as a soccer ball you know the red and uh, hexa hexagonals hexagons <laughs> then you know they had to measure them and make them perfect and it was just me and then all the rest was in green you know the uh, whatever you call it, LGG or G, yeah. whatever those letters are. Uh, and so, and, and I just, and then when I watched it, so that was it. And then I just had to come walk in 
and say my lines and walk out. And it was all on green screen. And then they put me into a scene. So they were, the actors were talking to air. Yeah. The world is going to be right around here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just float in this ball. I just float in. And I'm, and it was even, you know, like just gyrating just a little, just moving. <laughs> and I'm talking, you know. Hi, I'm the soccer ball, and I'm here to tell you this important thing. And then, and then all of a sudden, I go. <laughs> it's a great role. I mean, there's nothing to say about yeah. it. You see it. It's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> and, you know, if they had television on Tombstone, I would want that played on my Tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here lies Larry Hankin. Hi, I'm a soccer ball. <laughs> All parts are the best. Yeah. So this next role I want to talk to you about, I heard that this was your absolute favorite co-star that you've ever worked with, uh, Billy <laughs> Madison with Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some great things about this. I've heard some. Like, I've heard some really positive things. <laughs> I, I yeah, he, he's a uh, he's not a good guy. He's not, yeah. a, he's not a if you if you worship him he's your best friend yeah that's how it works well, and, and i don't it works out because nick hates adam sandler and he's not here to talk about his hatred of adam sandler with you oh well we, <laughs> me and him could uh, be friends yeah i could be friends with nick <laughs> uh no he he's just uh i mean he's very talented Mm -hmm. Adam Sandler is very talented and he knows his audience. The great thing about Adam Sandler is he had the guts, the tenacity, the fire in his belly to find his audience. He found his audience. There wasn't an audience that nobody had his audience. Yeah. And, and he he broke through. He just insisted on acting. <laughs> that guy broke through. So, uh, I, you know, I commend him for, for his tenacity. And have you seen um, Uncut Gems, I think is the name of the movie? Yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't I haven't seen it, yet, but I've, I've heard, heard of it. it but... I've, I've seen it. He does a very good acting job. He's yeah. a good, solid actor. And I've seen his other movies. I go to see his other movies, his serious mm -hmm. roles, where other people wrote the script and other people are directing, you know, serious directors and he he's fine he's a, a good actor i i give him all his props but when it comes to comedy and being in a movie with him mm -hmm. forget it man he's the worst wow he just puts on everybody he that that's all he knows how to do that's how he relates and then uh the next role i'm going to talk to you about is uh honestly it's it's the role that my uh my fiance uh, was most excited about when I told her I got you on the podcast um, was Mr. Heckles and Friends. Yeah, it's friends, it's friends. It's I tell you who who loves Friends, my fans, and they're a totally different. They are not fans of any of the other movies that I'm in. Mm -hmm. They're really on is um, young girls about four, 14, 15 and their moms. So <laughs> you, your your girlfriend will be about. 25 uh, in, in the upper 25s or mm -hmm. yep. young 30s uh, uh, and then older women I don't you know like grandma 
but but it's it's women, no men, none. The only men who like it are my girlfriend likes you a lot. Could you wish her a happy birthday? Oh, well, so so I've watched Friends all the way through. I really enjoy the show. I I like it, and okay. um, I cool. I loved you and like yeah. I like okay. I did like I mean this is not even trying to blow smoke up your ass, but I I really enjoyed you mr heckles in the show like the few episodes that you're in i always had a laugh i liked um and when you were talking about trying to remain serious in uh viva max i like i like I'm like that's like his mr heckles role too like you just stay like just serious the whole time and that's the funny part is there you world, go in the world where everyone's it. laughing and everyone's having a good time to have one sad person <laughs> <laughs> who's just well, angry he's, or whatever it's not it's not sad i was trying it's, to think of the word uh, actually a fan told gave me the right word but i can't remember but he's disgruntled yeah uh, he's just you know he's just disgruntled. upset by everything he's going against the grain is what people are into now yeah just going against you know the truckers whatever you are i'm against and, th- yeah. and that's like the, the the big thing by the way just uh an addition um you can blow smoke up my ass. Jeffrey, okay. no. No. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, it's just water vapor. It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's too much. <laughs> no, it is. I, I get it. <laughs> it smells um, nice. Right, okay, yeah. That, that's the, the, the um, Friends is like a big, that Mr. Heckles is probably what I'm most known for. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't follow that, but okay. It's when cool. the yeah, when I was telling people I had you on, they were like, who? And I was like, Mr. Heckles from Friends. And they were still like, now which one's that? And I was like, the neighbor. The, the neighbor who's always in like a dirty robe. Like, that's it. That's all. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the guy. And I was like, great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I love the guy. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, so the name of the book that I'm writing yeah. is called That Guy. Yeah. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Doobie and Taxiola. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, Old Joe and Breaking Old Bad. Joe, and that's, yeah, he, he's my favorite. Yeah. He, he's the most endearing. Uh, Old Joe. Well, it's uh, I got to work with Vince Gilligan, and uh, he liked my acting. Uh, unfortunately, I have dyslexia. I'm a mm-hmm. dyslexic. So I have a hard time as I, I've grown old. I've had it all my life. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if you, you don't know, notice it, but I do. My roles, as I go, they go like this. They get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they level off, and then they start to go down. Mm-hmm. Because dys- dyslexia, I can't memorize large roles. Mm-hmm. So it came to a head at... Uh, Breaking Bad in El Camino. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a two. I did a two Breaking Bad. Let me see. Yeah, I did two Breaking Bads. One was the uh, Magnet, and the other one was the I uh, destroyed the Winnebago. I, I was the junkyard out in the desert. Mm-hmm. So I was old Joe. So that was really cool. But the first time I just had five lines. Uh, when I auditioned for Old Joe. Mm-hmm. I only had five lines and I loved it because my dyslexia was starting to interfere with my, my memorization of, mm-hmm. of large roles. 
so I, I knew it would be a, a, a problem. And then I only auditioned with five lines and that was cool. I mean, five lines is easy. I'm talking about a page, you know, yeah. a monologue. So I went and I did in the morning, I did my five lines and it was really good. And not only was it really good, I aced it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brian Cranston liked what I did and I did too. So I, I, I was a solid actor and I wanted to be for Brian. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's a good actor. I look up to him. So I wanted to do a good job. So I did. And in the afternoon, they came to me and they said, oh, we got another one. Uh, Vince Gilligan likes your acting so much in the audition that he, he gave you another scene. I go, oh, cool. What is it? He said, it's uh, you got to keep the cop out of the Winnebago. Um, and I go, OK, where's the part? And then they give me a part. It was a monologue, a full page. And I just looked at it and I knew my dyslexia wouldn't I need a long time. No, I can remember. I can memorize it. I just need the time. Yeah. So a page would take me a week. So if I was going to shoot in two weeks, no sweat. So I always would ask how long, what's the lag time between the time that I get the part and I do it. And I would just say, oh, that's enough time. Fine. But this was, I got to do it in two hours. And I knew that's not enough time. So I just knew it was an, enough. It was a no-brainer. I just couldn't do it, mm -hmm. period. But I wouldn't cop to it. So I said, okay, you know, I got two hours. So I tried to memorize it and it just wasn't going in. I couldn't, dyslexia just, it'll go in. I have all the words. I just can't get them out in the right order. Yeah. There's just too many. I, I lose focus along the way and it just dissipates. So I didn't cop to it. And then they go, you know, they get knocks. I said, well, I, I was an improviser, you know, and I recall, well, I was improvising with John and Steve and I'm from Second City and the committee. I can improvise. I'll improvise it. Hey, no sweat. So I get out there and I wouldn't, he said, oh, well, Larry, now this is the, the director who had directed me in the morning, you know, where I aced it with Brian. So he goes, oh, well, okay, Larry, we're going to do another one. Are uh, you ready? Yeah, but I'm kind of dour, you know, I'm kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, you know, I, uh, can I do this? Uh, and he says, okay. So uh, now I figured out how to cover myself. See, because I'm an actor now. I've been around. I know how to make movies. So I said to him, um, listen, um, you know, uh, I know how to shoot this. And he goes, you know how to shoot this? I go, yeah. I'm mean, totally naive, not knowing I just taking his job from him. I'm going to direct myself in this scene. Would you step aside? He goes, uh, and exactly how would you direct this, Larry? And I'm getting this weirdness from him, and I, but I'm still not hip to uh, what I just told you, that I'm mm -hmm. taking his job. Now, how would you direct this, Larry? I go, well, you know, we'll break it up. You know, like uh, you, you shoot inside, you'll shoot him, you'll shoot me, you'll shoot inside him, me, back and forth, just like cutting. So, and I figured I could memorize each section while they get back to me. And he says, no, Larry, I tell you what, he's being kind to me. No, Larry, I tell you what, you're going to get down there and it's going to be a walk and talk. You're just going to walk to the camera and we're going to do it all in one take. And there's a car parked, a limo, actually, parked right near the camera because we're, we're in a road in the junkyard, you know, dirt road in the junkyard. 
So there's a car parked right over there. And he says, so we're going to do a, uh, we're going to do a walk and talk. You'll just get way down there about a hundred feet, walk to the camera, do the whole speech, cut, you'll get in the limo, you're released, you go home, you know? So it'll take one take, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, let's do that. All right, get down there. You okay with that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay, get down there. And he's not asking me why I'm all of a sudden. <laughs> I was so friendly and open, you know, this morning. But now, so I get down there. And I go, man, okay, here we go. So he says, all right, you ready, Larry? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, and action. So I'm starting to talk legalese talk. Now, a lot of it I got from the script, you know, throwing it in there. And a lot of it's just legalese. And all I'm trying to remember is, don't stutter, don't stumble, don't go, um, just keep talking until you get to the camera. I know what the last line is, and I know what the first line is. Okay, action, Larry, and I'm going. Okay, so blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, and the weird thing is, I am keeping talking. I'm not stopping. I'm not studying or anything. That's, that's amazing. The adrenaline must have been pumping. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying legalese, any, any kind of legal term that comes to mind, I'm just throwing out, blah, blah, blah. And I get to the end and I think, yeah, but I'm going to be fired. <laughs> that, I mean, that that's, goes without saying. Mm -hmm. I get to the end and I go, blah, blah, blah. And last line. And he goes, okay, Larry, let's do it one more time. Okay. Just for insurance. Did I just memorize it? He, he didn't blink. He just, let's just do it one more time for insurance. Okay, so I get back there and I go, holy cow, well, now I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry at all. He's got it. He said it's in the can. This is insurance. I'm cool. How great can I be? And the, <laughs> and the, this, the script lady starts walking towards me. Now, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. I screwed up a line or a word or maybe two words. So she, so I saw, so I'm, you know, Mr. Wise Guy, Mr. Been Around. I go, hey, what did I remember? What did I forget? Like she's going to tell me a line. And she shows me the page. Every fucking word is circled. Every, I've never seen a page like that. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the movies 20 years minimum. I've never seen a page like that. And she says, uh, I said, well, I got the gist of it, right? And she says, the director wants you to say it verbatim. And she's very stern about it, you know, verbatim. And I say, okay, okay. And he yells, anything wrong, Larry? No, everything's fine. Okay, let's go. And, and then he starts walking towards me. And he says, uh, are you sure there's nothing wrong? I go, no, man, it's, it's fine. Says, okay, and then he just stands over here, and the cinematographer says, "Don't you want to stand by the camera, Sid?" And Sid yells, "No, I'm going to walk with my actor." And now I'm thinking, "Okay, it's kindergarten time. Now he's going to hold my hand. This is—I don't want to be here." You know, again, every once in a while, I have yeah, here I want to be fine. He says, uh, "You ready, Larry?" And he opens his book. The director standing next to me and says. Where am I out of frame? And it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's cut off right here. So he's standing right here. I can see him. He's got the book open and he says, okay, you ready, Larry? Yeah, okay. And action. So I start walking. And I just do the same thing. 
I just improvise, you know, new stuff. Blah, 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 blah. I get to the, and he's, he's got his head buried in the book and he just, and I'm walking and I see him and I'm just walking and talking. And, he's, and I get to the end and he goes and he closes the book and he says, okay, Larry, dismissed. Thank you very much. Larry's dismissed, everybody. Let's get a big hand. They open the door, I get in and I, the car drives away. And I thought, did I just remember? What the hell? So I had to wait two weeks to watch. Mm-hmm. And here's what happened. The dire- I asked somebody back at the production office because I didn't know what happened. I said, who, who wrote that? They said, did Vince Gilligan write that? Because I thought, I don't know. They said, no, the director wrote it. The director wrote that scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he knew every word that I was making it up both times. He wrote it. So I guess he also knew how to make films because when I watched it, what he did was, and he knew from the, from, after, from the second line I said the first time that this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Mm-hmm. What he did was he took both takes, my voiceover, and he just picked out, since he wrote the script, that, that scene, all he needed was for me, uh, old Joe, to keep the cop out of the Winnebago. And he picked out all the lines that I was saying, legally, which would compute with keeping him out of the Winnebago. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if I said his line or my line, just keep the cop out of the Winnebago, which seems to be what I did among all the legalese I was spouting out. And he just put them all together. And if you watch the scene, I start with a close-up on me or a long shot on me. And then he goes to close-up. And then the rest of the scene is the other two guys with my voiceover. Mm-hmm. And every, every once in a while, he'll shoot to me. I think I'm in the scene nine seconds. <laughs> I, 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 I clocked it. I watched it the second time. I clocked it. You know, you know there was a re- repeat of the show. Mm-hmm. Nine seconds. Yeah, he, he cut to me at the beginning, at the end, and uh, once in the middle or maybe twice in the middle for two seconds each, a line each that I had said right. Yeah. So, you know, nobody, and, and so everybody just likes old Joe, but the, in other words, the, the book I'm writing is about what happens right before or after the magic happens. Yeah. It's not interesting what I did on screen. It's more <laughs> interesting what happened before I got there. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what the book is about, really. Yeah. Um, and the very last role I wanted to talk to you about is uh, you worked as Pastor Randy with The Rock and Mark Wahlberg in Pain. And Pain. Oh, yeah. And so that what was, was it great. like working with those guys? I was going to say those two monstrous human beings. Yeah. The two people, The Rock, working with The Rock, just hanging around with them. That's what I did. I just hang yeah. around. I just sat and ate with them. Yeah. He, he eats. He <laughs> eats all day long. I mean, not much, but he always is. got something in his hand and mm-hmm. snack. He, like He snacks all day long. There's very few times where you see him without some, something in his an energy bar. Mm-hmm. Something. So... 
that that was the interesting part of anger and he's the he's the, the, the nicest guy you wouldn't think he was an actor or a wrestler at all he's just this hulking john candy is what he is yeah he's just a muscular <laughs> john candy could beat the crap out of you uh and I didn't know it, but I rehearsed that scene that uh, there's two scenes in it. It's just a regular guy who was running a church and he comes there to he's he's a convict and he comes there to work because nobody will hire him. Mm -hmm. But the director, who's the director who did all the machine things, the uh, the trans trans. Oh, oh, Michael Bay. Yeah, Michael Bay. Who? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. He's the interesting guy. Uh, I would hang around with both those guys, with one or the other. But but Michael Bay was silent. But he is kind of like a pocket genius or something. I don't know if he's a genius or not, but man, does he have a lot of shit in his head about the movie. Uh, so I could see how he could direct the Transformers. What he had, this is a low budget. This was his baby. In other words, he wanted to make this movie. It was a low budget movie, $20 million. But for $20 million, what he had was, and, and this is what impressed me, which has nothing to do with the movie. What he would do is he would sit in his chair and he would think, you know, he would think, he would look at the set, like uh, the outside of the exterior of the church that I worked inside of. I was the caretaker of the church. I wasn't like a pastor. I was a cleaner up. Outside of the church, and there was a door, blue door. Okay. So the, the 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 scene that I was watching was the rock comes, walks in, and the camera pans as he walks in, as he's walking by the church, you know, and then he walks by again. Like basically the narrative is he's trying to decide whether we should go in the church to ask for a job, being he's a convict, will they take me? Mm-hmm. You know, so he's making it look. And then he finally decides and he walks in. So I'm sitting next to Michael Bay, you know, and and he goes through, he has him walk through it about four or five times. And it looks like it's the same. And I'm just sitting there. And finally, I have a question in my mind. What the fuck is this? It looks like exactly the same. I don't see any change. I don't see what's, you know, why does he keep doing this? But I don't say anything, but Michael Bay finally turns to me and he says, it's beautiful. He says, Larry, it's music. And he just turns back. And then he turns back to me again. He says, no, see, this and this and how he's walking. And finally, it's music. And I go, oh, oh, I see. He's got a soundtrack. The, the camera movement and his walking, they all got to be in rhythm, mm-hmm. according to him. Fine, that's great. But he's silent. And then once he gets that down, then I, he turns this way and he says, get me, um, get me crane number five. And I look down and we're on this block. This church is on this block. It's blocked off this block because it's a movie set. Okay, the next block is blocked off also. But on the next block, all he has lined up on the curb 
our movie trucks, cameras, and equipment, and cranes. Three different cranes, three different this, three different cameras, three different da-da-da-da. Just lined up. I mean, it's like the transformer broken down and put out, laid out on a road as a camera, as camera equipment. The most camera equipment I've ever seen on any movie I've ever done. And he's got them all in his head. So he, in other words, the way he runs a set is like an army. One time I took off my glasses because I was in a scene where I have the fight with him in the graveyard where the tombstones. And so I had my sunglasses on. So I said, I, I, you know, somebody hold my sunglasses. So a crew member came up and says, I'll take them, I'll take them. And I said, um, okay. And I didn't know where he was going to take them to. Or, and they were expensive, you know, for me, they were expensive. You know, here. And he just disappears. I do the scene. And now I have to find my sunglasses. Mm -hmm. So I say to any crew member, I say, hey, do you know what happened to my sunglasses? I gave it to a crew member. And he goes, just a second, uh, Larry Hankin's sunglasses, uh, where is Larry Hankin's sunglasses? And you hear, oh, they're coming up, they're coming up. And then somebody comes running, you know, from far away, here's your sunglasses, thank you. And the whole, the whole movie was run like that. I mean, <laughs> the sunglasses are lost easily, you know? But everything was kept track of the, yeah. the, the equipment, the number five, my sunglasses. The place was rampant with crew members. I've never seen so many crew members in my life. That's the only story I have about that thing. Yeah. But so that's the only thing. Oh, and the other thing was I told you that I was just being the cleaner upper guy. So I was just playing an ordinary person. Mm -hmm. Michael Day, the reason that I asked about Michael Day is Michael Day came up to me and he said, uh, he's a homosexual. I go, it doesn't say that in the script. Well, it's in the script now. It says you're a homosexual. Um, I guess you have to adjust, make that adjustment. So that was right before I went on camera. So it kind of changed, maybe it changed the way Rock fought me. And maybe they, that's why they cut it out. I mean, it's a little too hard ass for rock. I, it could have been that rock didn't want to do it. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it's, it's too one-sided. That, that, but that's the only stories I have about that. I just like what Michael Day, he, he clued me in. He said, it's music, man. He didn't say man. He said, it's music, Larry. <laughs> uh, but it defined how one should direct the scene if it's important and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I never knew that. And so, and he, and I never said anything and he, he sussed it out. Yeah. One, a couple more things to do before I let you go. My one is, um, so you got a degree in industrial design from Syracuse University. How has that helped you in your career? <laughs> well, that's uh, a very interesting question. It's <laughs> not as, uh, it's not as funny as you think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it did help me yeah, a, a lot and in, in ways that I only thought of in other ways. When I was doing industrial design, the reason that I was taking it was because I was pleasing my parents. And once I finished college, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. I mean, my obligations to my parents are over. And that's what happened when I graduated. But they wanted me to have a career 
and I wanted to be an artist. Uh, so I saw in industrial design. Mm -hmm. I focused on design. I thought, oh, Syracuse, design. And they said, yeah, that's fine. And I go, okay, great. But what they focused on was industrial design. Yeah. And what they taught at Syracuse was industrial design. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> but I did minor in art, so it, it, I could make it through. But then I... so. How did it influence my my acting and other mm -hmm. Industrial design, I was going to design cars. That was when I got to my senior year, they had me penciled in for car designer, Detroit. But they give you an overview of just machine design. So I thought, I'm not going to do this when I get out of here. Mm -hmm. But it's giving me an overview of a huge amount of topics and things of places I could go with whatever training they're giving me. I, I don't want to be a designer. I want to be an actor or a painter. Yeah. No, I wanted to be a comedian or a painter. So, but somehow I think this will help me. And they said, oh, I want to be in movies. And that's what, that was the hookup. I thought, I, st I started to write in college and i started to see wow if in writing you can write about anything and i'm learning about a lot of things so that was the connection it was it was, it was going to help me in writing it was giving me an overview of a lot of different places where design worked or where you could work as a designer and i wasn't looking at where i could work i was looking at the subjects and topics and things you had to explore to be a designer of a chair you know, oh, you had to talk about ergonomics of your body. So you had to get into ergonomics and you had to get into skeletal structures. And all I said, wow, man, this is great for writing. Just the intro. My, that's how my mind works. I got ADHD. It's just mm -hmm. all the time. And I was just uh, uh, absorbed, interested in all the topics. So when I graduated, I thought, well, that's a good background. But now I'm going to go into painting and being a funny guy and let's see and it did because i started to write and i thought yeah industrial design just kept my mind looking at other things all the time yeah um and then my last question for you is uh so we all live in the chicagoland area and you did stand up for second city in chicago so i just wanted to know what kind of uh what what your thoughts were about you know, being in Chicago for Second City and how that helped your career and influence and, you know, just... Well, I love Chicago. Chicago's a great city. Do you, yeah. Are you guys from Chicago or something? Yeah, the, the suburbs. Yeah. And Chicago is really great. I like the city uh, and I loved uh, Second City because that's where I met uh, um, uh, a lot of good improvisers. Severin Darden, Barbara Harris, Mina Kolb, uh, Dick Shaw, um, Valerie Harper, um, uh, who was the other one? But the, so uh, those people, Severin Darden was an amazing guy. Uh, they taught me how to improvise. I went to school there. I studied with Viola Spolin and uh, Paul Sills. So that was my foundation for acting and improvising was Second City. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it. 
I, I wanted, that's all I wanted to do. When uh, several of us broke away uh, to do the committee in San Francisco, it was the foundation of the, the second city that I took with me. Yeah. And, and when I, I was, I was there in Chicago for a couple of months, uh, there was just too many people in the company. It was the last hired, first fired. Mm -hmm. uh, there was nine people improvising with those people that I just said, but there was, there's just too many. So mm -hmm. uh, two, they had, they, they whittled it down to six. So they let three people go. And I was one of them. Uh, and I wasn't fired. I was just let go. So I stayed around for a week. And that's when the other six people from the New York second city and from Chicago second city decided let's just go and start another company in San Francisco. And we all went there and I was there for 10 years mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And I, that's all I wanted to do to this day. I would still be there if, you know, if, if Hollywood didn't offer me all the money. That they yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, the, the one reason that I wrote the book was I've had a pretty interesting life. I mean, yeah. All, all the crap that I've gone through, the highs and the lows, you know, mm -hmm. great. All right. Um, well, I mean, thanks so much, Larry, for yeah, this was coming awesome. on and uh, giving us all these cool stories. Um, They're reality to me. It's just, just that it happened later. They became stories where I, like when I look back to the, the hubris that I had, to say, yeah, I'm going to improvise keeping uh, the cop out of the Winnebago. Yeah. I mean, now it's just so foreign to me. I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're going to improvise a speech? Yeah. And think that they're not going to know? Where <laughs> 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 you get off doing that, Larry? So that's why I wrote the book. Just reading the book after I wrote it, going, what the fuck? Where was I, what was I thinking? God knows. But it's down on paper now. Yeah. So uh, would you, uh, I'm, this is the floor for you. Promote anything, imparts any wisdom. When's your book coming out, if you know yet? Oh, okay. Here, here's, a, here's the ad. Okay. See, though, those are my paintings. Mm -hmm. I, I paint now and I write comedy stuff and I make little films. So all that is on therealarryhankin.com. That's my website, therealarryhankin.com not LarryHankin.com. That's being held for ransom. It was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I refused to pay, so I went, the real LarryHankin.com. Yeah. So, uh, so that's all. And then there's t-shirts. Oh, where are the t-shirts? Oh, I put them away. Well, all my paintings, which are that big, and they're like $300 to $500, they're museum prints. These can hang in museums. They're mm -hmm. that worthy but <laughs> the t-shirts are are on my website but they're only like 18 bucks or less mm -hmm. but oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're the paintings um okay uh, so that's the the commercial the book there's one other book called the loopholes dossier which is on amazon i don't like the cover so i never advertise it mm -hmm. but i wrote the book and the book is really funny it's uh Seven fable satire, seven fables mm -hmm. for adults. I mean, they're just satires. And then two biography satires. It's a biography of a politician and the biography of a homeless guy. Mm -hmm. If you want to know how to be homeless, 
biography. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the that's the commercial. But thank you guys. I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. Uh, when the book comes out, it probably won't come out for another year. I'll probably have to publish it myself, but mm -hmm. probably for six months to a year. Uh, we can talk about it. I can come back on the show and talk about the book. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want a signed copy too. That's what I. Oh, yeah. all right. Fine. Yeah. No, no sweat. Easy. All right. All okay. Right. You guys can uh, uh, follow us wherever you find podcasts. Go down our uh, link in our description to get access to our link tree there all of our social media links and the top button is become a patron and you can get the unedited video version of this podcast with Larry. If you donate $3 per, per month at that tier at $1, you get a bunch of other content as well. Thanks so much, Larry, for coming on the podcast. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jeff. And thank yeah. Nick. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. You're Adam? I'm Adam. And I'm then Jeff. there's Jeff and then Nick. Okay. <laughs> then I must be Larry. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can make fun of Nick as much as you possibly want. That's one of the things that we do on the podcast is make fun of Nick. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah, it's so, one of our gags. An easy target. <laughs> Nick. Yeah. There you go. I love it. That's saying it though. Yeah. <laughs> what freedom? What freedom? Oh, oh, oh Nick we lost, lost it. internet. It's That's fine. fine. We'll, we'll we don't need back. <laughs> um, no, fuck. Yeah. yeah, fuck Nick. Oh, no. For the big run, you know, smile. Nick, smile. It's the ending. Yeah. Got all <laughs> and Nick is not smiling. So I give you a props for that, Nick. Yeah. You're not here and you're not smiling. <laughs> cool.